Welcome to episode 71 of Shades Midweek. We are inside of Four Stream Studios recording this podcast about theology, culture, and all things Shades. My name is John Mark DeRoe, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Brad Brown and Jonathan Haves. Well, 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 well. Good to see you both here again. We've got the band back together. We're all yeah. here. We are. It's we good. missed you last good. week. We missed you last I week. I was yeah. gone. I was at this old old campsite, uh, a state park in Georgia. What the heck were you doing there? I was playing a camp with Jeremy Moore, Andrew Thompson, and Joseph Wolski. Wow, what a who crew. Listeners of uh, the show should know who most of those people are. But yeah, we were doing a worship camp for a youth group, a church in Georgia, and so they asked us to come play for the week. And uh, <clears throat> it was this camp that had been built in the 30s called Hard Labor state <laughs> hard labor creek state park apparently they apparently they filmed so afterwards when i came home i did a bunch of research on that area because i'm just nerdy like that they filmed a friday the 13th movie there oh awesome wow that's uh, cool it's le- a good thing you found that out after legend <laughs> legend has it that it's haunted so take that for what you will ghost hunters did an episode there <laughs> I found all this out later. Uh, so, but we had a great time. I did. I did miss my family. I missed being here at Shades, but uh, it's good to be back. I think I finally got all of the old dust that's been sitting in those rooms since the '30s out of my lungs. By now, I'm starting to feel a little better. Right, right. But you've so, lost ten years, no doubt. Yeah, for sure. Well, at least my yeah. lungs have. So. All that asbestos you were breathing mm-hmm. in. Yeah. No, um, man, it's good to have you back. So we recorded an episode last week, just Brad and I, but we lack the technical uh, capability. We lack the producer abilities, as we clearly yeah. demonstrated throughout that episode. I thought it was it's great. A learned, it's a um, learned skill. I thought it was a we, lot of uh, fun. We lack the producer ability to actually edit the episode and post it. So, listeners, you know that you didn't receive the episode from last week until Monday of this week. So what we decided was to make it up to you. To make it up, yeah, we'd record another episode this week. Yeah, and and yeah. release it. It's kind of like you know, the two two for one kind now, of thing. Now everyone's sort happy, of. <laughs> sort of. I mean, technically, the way that I look at it is that Monday's episode was really still for last week, and this is just the normal episode that we would have recorded. But we can, yeah, advertise that. However, let's we let the fans it. debate. That. Yeah, yeah, this can just become a matter of uh, you know. Let's leave it to Sage in the fan club. To- <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, man. But, hey, uh, last night, Shades Valley went to the Barons game. Man, that was awesome. That was great. Huge turnout. Yeah. It really was. It, it really was. <laughs> like, that, like we had, I think, close to 70 people there. Yeah. I'd we, say we just took, south of 70 people. We took over an entire outfield section. Like, they have, you know, those, those grassy areas in the outfield, and one of them, we just completely took it over. We did. Uh, my my kids were there, and I was there. And uh, whenever kids that weren't with our group would come and hang out, my kids would just run them off. <laughs> just just stay out of here. We're hanging out with our friends. <laughs> yeah, I very like friendly. That. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Tight knit community. But no, yeah, yeah, no, it was the, a blast. Something we should good. definitely do again. Did the Barons win? Did you stay, <laughs> Brad? Did you did you stay to the end? I didn't stay till the bitter end. But it wasn't their best showing. They were losing when they I They were losing left. pretty bad. And yeah, when we were leaving, Moses was like, they're going to lose. I was yeah. like, well, son, you know, there's still, still three or four innings left. Anything could happen. He's like, no, I think they're going to lose. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, okay. Ever the optimist, we had a We had a great time. We got uh, Our kids got baseballs last night, which was cool. Hot dogs? Did you eat any hot dogs? Got some $1 hot dogs. Can't beat it. It's great. Some $4 snow cones. <laughs> 
<laughs> That's where they get yeah, you. Classic. $4 Powerades. Yep. Yeah, no, it was great. I loved it. Well, yeah, so thank you to everybody for, for coming out, and we'll keep you posted. We've got some more more things in the works because, you know, we missed a lot of hanging out last year. That's uh, true. I don't know if anybody noticed, but we missed just a little bit. So we're trying to make up for it. We normally don't do a ton of events like this, but we're trying to do some yeah. just to make up for some lost time. So I agree. we got some plans cooking for next month. We'll keep you posted. Yeah, for sure. But anyway, what are we doing today? Let's uh, let's see if I've got an album here. James album of the week. Can anyone tell me what was what year was thirty years ago? That would have been nineteen eighty one. No, ninety one. <laughs> ninety one. Dude, the older you get, the harder Isn't this it? gets. <laughs> There's no point in answering a math question quickly. You're either right, <laughs> and everyone's like, yeah, good, you did basic math, or you mess up and you look like a moron. Well, I, that's why I didn't say anything. Right. 19, it just it feels wrong that 1991 was 30 years ago. That feels wrong. Yeah, I mean. and you know, uh, 30 years ago was actually a great year for music. 1991 was a great, great year. So this uh, there's an album that's being celebrated this year for its 30th year anniversary. Can you guys guess what that album would be? Man, there's so many. From the early '90s, see, I see, I, mm, I loved, I loved all of that early '90s music. It's a good music. guess, and so like it all just they did put together. out some music in the '90s. Well, I'm gonna just gonna play you a little clip, but this is actually not my album, but it's gonna get us to the album. Okay, this is, okay, this, good. Is a, this is a journey. And this is actually from 1995. This is a journey. This song is from 1991. Oh yeah, that's that's Metallica. Um, uh, Inner Sandman. Inner Sandman, Metallica. That's right. So their album, the black you that. album. You knew that, didn't you, Brad? I did. The black yeah, album. But that's <laughs> that's really the only Metallica song I know. And I wasn't. That's gonna, fair. I wasn't going to admit that. No, that's fair. John Mark. Just, I'm a huge Metallica turning, fan. He's turning red right now. I'm a huge Metallica fan, and they put out that album 30 years ago. And in wow. celebration of the 30th anniversary of the black album, which was like a massive, massive, that's like their biggest commercial uh, album. And it's their best-selling album of all time. Um, it broke a ton of records when it came out. They they are putting out like this huge like box set, you know, to like celebrate the 30th anniversary. Wow! A part of that box set, like is, a physical box set. Yeah, yeah, like vinyl. Like it's it's going to be like multiple remastered vinyl of that album, plus like a bunch of demos and unreleased material. Mac, there's like a a booklet in there with tons of pictures and all kinds of stuff. So th they do this for all their albums. They've done box sets for every single one. So they're just going in chronological order for 30th year anniversaries. Anyways, cool. the album for JM's album of the week this week is the covers album that they're putting out. So it is artists. It's artists covering Metallica and it's called the Metallica blacklist and it's 53 artists, 12 songs, one album. So they're covering songs off of the wait, 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 wait. How album. many, how many artists? 53. They're all doing collaborations. Oh, okay. I was so like, it's 12 how, songs. You can have 53 artists on 12 tracks. So the album isn't out yet. It's going to be awesome. But my album of the week is the single that dropped in preparation for this album. Wow. Get this. I'm going to play this a little bit while I'm getting to it. How do I find this on Apple Music? What's it listed under? Uh, it's not really available yet, but this song is that I'm playing right now. So this is a, a cover of the ballad Nothing Else Matters by Metallica. This was like a big ballad for them. It was like a big deal. 
This is Sir Elton John on the piano. Yo-Yo Ma. You guys probably know, familiar with Yo-Yo Ma. Wow. And Miley Cyrus on vocals. Uh, The guitar player is a dude named Watt, W-A-T-T. Then it's the bass player from Metallica on this, Rob Trujillo, and the drummer from the Red Hot Chili Peppers, Chad Smith. So that's the collaboration. So check this out. I've, I've been killing this song. Listen to Miley on this song. So close, no matter how far. Couldn't be much more from Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Insane. I wonder what the lower end of her register is. I mean, she's definitely hitting it pretty close there. That's super low for a female yeah. to sing. Yeah. Because she's singing in Hetfield's range right now. I was about to ask if this is the original key. I'm pretty sure it is. I haven't checked. I would assume it is. Check this out. I'll fast forward a little bit. I wish everyone could see John Mark right now. He never lets anything play this long, and he can't stop it. Guys, I can't get I When this song came out, it came up on my Spotify. I listened to it. I am not lying to you right now. I listened to it 10 times in a row. That's I love funny. it when that happens with a song. Here's a confession from me really quickly. I I have never been, just being honest, I've never been a fan of Miley Cyrus's voice. Never mm. have. And then... She performed, I think it was this last year, uh, on SNL. Oh, okay? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah she has and, a new album or something. And I typically, I, I like to go back. I, I don't watch SNL live because it's Saturday nights and I'm going to bed early. Right. But I'll go back and watch some of the sketches on uh, YouTube and find out who the musical artist was and all that kind of thing. And, uh, and I watched her performances, and I was blown away by her voice. I just feel like her voice is matured so much and, and she's leaned a lot heavier into the like female rock vocalist kind of avenue i agree of things that 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 raspiness that natural raspiness she has in her voice and like yeah. even just what you were playing right there i was like i dig that yeah she's that. she's super talented i mean she's obviously highly controversial with like some of her songs and music videos and whatnot sure, sure. and some yeah. of the things that she's done like live performance wise, but she's super, super talented. So I love it. I really like it when a pop artist like really leans into like the musicality a lot more, just like, like with Lady Gaga with uh, what was the movie uh, that she did with Bradley Cooper? Um, Star is oh, yeah. born. Star is born. You know, when, when a pop artist does that, I always like to see that turn because it's like, Oh, I'm actually like hearing you instead of it all being dressed up in like all this other stuff that's sort of like a distraction. I'm it's actually kind of, hearing your It's kind of like when T-Pain was talent. on the Masked Singer. Yes. <laughs> that's, which we, that's which we all saw separately. I, I may or may not have just made everybody, right before we started no, recording, I, that, I may actually. or may not have just made everybody watch T-Pain sing. He's got a great voice. In the first season of the Masked Singer, because I'd never heard it before. I came across it the other day. Yeah, Miley Cyrus, Nothing Else Matters with Elton John, Yo-Yo Ma, Watt, Robert Trujillo, and Chad Smith, drummer of Red Hot Chili Peppers. There you wow. Go. What a crew. Yeah. There's a killer guitar solo on this. 
You want to hear us? He's looking at us like, can I play it? I'm trying to find if I can, if this is it. Yeah, go ahead. Why not? That's only half of it. That's wow. half of the guitar solo. See, that's Yo-Yo Ma? No. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know he... <laughs> Dude, I'm not going to lie. I am a huge Yo-Yo Ma fan. I like oh, yeah. me some Yo-Yo Ma. Is that Metallica's lead guitarist? No, no, no. It's Those are all... Those Who are all. Uh, the guy's name is Watt. Okay. W-A-T-T. I still on occasion Watt. have regrets about the Yo-Yo Ma concert we missed. Do you remember that? Did he come down? No, Steven no y'all don't remember that when we were Did in he? Chicago. When we oh. were in Chicago for the EFCA one, we talked uh, about thing. going oh, to see. We, no, we no, we were we were downtown. We were downtown where the Bean is, and we saw that in the park right there they were setting up oh. for a free concert that night. Oh yeah, we didn't know it was free. We just saw they were set up right. for a concert. We, we were didn't like, know ah. who it was. We didn't know who it was, yeah. and we we're like ah. Who cares? We, we won't worry about it. It's probably sold out and all of that. And then later we found out it was a free Yo-Yo Ma concert. <laughs> Just, and I was like, what? Hey, yeah, that, that definitely would have been something cool to oh. say later. Like, we were just in Chicago. We walked up on a free performance from Yo-Yo Ma. That would have been yeah. amazing. Oops. That was my album of the week. Check <sighs> oh, it great. out. All yeah. right, Brad, did I you find that. a book in the last five minutes while I was rambling on about I'm, Metallica? I might have forgotten, but I found a book. JM, before he talks about his book, can I just tell you how much I admire how skillfully you hit that button right there? Because last week I discovered that's a really difficult task. Yeah, so. I mean, you really only have colors, so it's hard to know. But then you can also bring up a screen that tells you what it is. Oh, I don't know. I don't know how these things work. Brad, talk about your book. Hello, and welcome to Bradford's Book Club. It is with much anticipation, reflection, and thought that I bring you this week's book. This week's book is authored by a well-known theologian that probably no one has heard of named John Webster. And the book is a collection of his sermons. The title of the book is Confronted by Grace. So John Webster sadly has passed away. He's no longer with us, but he was the professor of divinity at the University of St. Andrews, Scotland. He was the former chaplain at St. John's Durham and canon of Christ Church, Oxford. He has preached and lectured international, internationally. So John Webster is one of these guys that I came across because the theologians that I was reading were citing him. So he's, oh, well. yeah, yeah. So he's, a, he's a big name. And I came across this work of his where it is his sermons. And so... These are really homilies. They're 15, maybe 20 minutes long, probably 12 to 15 minutes long. And this book is just a random collection of his sermons that's brought together. And I read it devotionally. And they are so good for the soul. So the back cover says, When facing the deep realities of the human condition, we often turn to Scripture and the power of the gospel. It confronts us with the truth of God's grace this rich collection of thoughtful sermons from one of the leading contemporary theologians is challenging, stimulating, and inspiring. These reflections, born from years of theological and biblical study, 
demonstrate the complexity of the realities we face in the Christian life and the depth of the grace of God. Superbly written and thoroughly accessible, confronted by grace, points us toward Christ so that we may grow in our understanding of the truth of the gospel. So one of the reasons I like this is because you have a world-class theologian, and there's a text, and he has 15 minutes. And so I'm like, man, what is this guy going to say with his wealth of knowledge and everything that he's written in 15 minutes about this text? And to see how he condenses very complex theological ideas, to see what he brings out of the text that's there is, is a lot of fun for me personally. So I don't know if, you know, after Sunday you're like, I'm done with sermons, but I, I encourage you to check out Confronted by Grace by John Webster, a collection of his sermons. I, I thoroughly enjoy it. Wow. Great, great book. Thanks. I love it. Well, okay, so moving along, while I was gone last week, I guess I'll take it from here unless, Jonathan, you had anything to add to that, to the, the book club. Oh, I'm good. I'm okay. good. <laughs> right. Um there we go. Yeah, I found it. Okay. So. Was a rowdy audience. Was that at me? Uh, I, I don't know. I was just trying. I was just trying out some sounds. Um, last week while I was gone, and you guys mentioned this on the podcast that came out on Monday, in all seriousness, not as a joke, we're always, we can be sarcastic around here uh, from time to time, if you haven't noticed. And. We we literally were inundated with emails last inundated. week, and that is not that is not an exaggeration. I believe that we got six emails come in, which if you're used to only having one come in every two weeks or so, or none, or none, <laughs> to have six in about two days is you start to you're freaking out. Well, yeah. I, I think we also have to state the fact. I'm not complaining. I love it. No, no, email I, us. I love yeah. it too. I love it too, yeah, but yeah. I, but I also have, I think that part of the reason it felt as overwhelming as it did <coughs> is that particularly two of these emails probably should count as four emails a piece individually, <laughs> yeah. just based on their length. Our typical length yeah. of email is like three sentences. It's sort of like, hey, I love the show. I love what you're doing. Which, once again, I'm not complaining. This is like we're right. going to get deep here today. It's just that we don't have the infrastructure to really right. Right. to really handle and address and, these adequately in the way they deserve. And so what we collectively decided was, you guys, I was gone last week, so you guys said, let's hold off on a majority of these emails this week. Next week, we will do an entire episode dedicated yeah. to the email corner. Responding to fan email. That's right. Responding to email. So uh, this is a full episode journey into the email corridor. That's right. We got a new jingle. We got a jingle, Brad. Finally, did, did I did a, it. Did a computer just turn on? You want to hear it again? John, Mark, it's just one hit after the next. Well, it only works if you say, email corridor. <laughs> I love it. It's like a cross between a transition in a 90s, early 2000 TV show or turning on a, a, a Windows computer. Yeah. Not, like Windows I feel, I feel like it could be the death of a video game character. Oh, you that know? too. Yeah. yeah. Like Nintendo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 
that your character just died. No more lives left. <laughs> this level's impossible. You have no more lives. Then you just throw the controller yeah. out of anger. Yeah. yeah. Back, <laughs> when, back when there really were game over situations. <laughs> you just start yelling at your parents, Mom, I need some more soda. <laughs> this level's so difficult. Got to extend, extend the blockbuster round. Oh. Can't take it back yet. Okay, so we're going to take a trip down to the email corridor. We're here. Email this corridor. is happening. The first one that I wanted to read actually came in from Mr. Grant Primo, Esquire. Right. Let's pull it up. Yes, yes, Grant. Grant, we love Grant here at the show. Uh, he's responding. Well, I'll just read read this to you, and you'll, you'll get the picture. Grant writes into midweek and says, Hey, guys, I am totally on board with attending a live recording of the podcast, there's nothing better than watching something that's meant to be consumed solely through audio. <laughs> I can't. Is he is he being sarcastic there? I can't. I don't know. I did. The, it's hard, it's to, hard to tell. The, the italics make me feel like there's some. <laughs> I, I feel like italics are like sarcasm. Seriously though, I would definitely come if y'all did a live recording. Is this basically going to be the body life of Shades Midweek episodes? Wow. wow. I love how he connected those two things. Yeah. We just have like rotating guests come up. I will I will say I did think about this more because we brought this up on the podcast a couple weeks ago. We, okay. I think with Sage where we were like, we should do a live thing, blah, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Um it may be difficult to do it just like live, almost like we're on stage performing it and everyone's just there for the, it would almost be better. Like a lot of podcasts or radio shows will perform live at like a restaurant while people are eating and talking and hanging out. And I'm not saying we are, need to go to a taking, restaurant. Are we taking midweek on the road? Is that what's happening? Wow. We're going to be at GM pizzeria next Wednesday at 12. <laughs> yeah. They'd totally be cool with that. No, but, if we had an event and then midweek was there and then people would come on just like randomly, you know, like, hey, there's Jeff Stalkup. Let's get Jeff Stalkup over here and get that get some headphones on Jeff. Let's talk to him for a second. Wow. It could, it could work. It could be like that. It could just be a party. It could like, be a thing. Hey, we're celebrating Shades of Midweek. Come hang out. We're going to be recording while there's a party going are we, on. Are we recording midweek during the Christmas Spectacular this year? Is that what's happening? Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. I hadn't even thought about that. So many ideas. Oh, it's so just, many things are going nuts too right many, now. Too many good ideas. Ideas. So Grant, be on the lookout for that. We'll Something let you will know. happen. At least he will be there. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. Okay. Well, that was brief. We've got another email. Well, okay. So, do, do you guys want to explain what happened last week? So you guys read the email from last week, which is what this is. Yeah. Yeah. Williams. Uh, William Ashley sent us this email that you all heard last week. Dear sir, a strange situation has arisen in my home. Right. Since listening to Midweek Podcast more regularly, two of my acquaintances have developed an illness. Now, he's referring to his bride, who we will hear from here in just a second. Right. And then to their good friend, uh, none other than Kenny McCants. Kenny McCants. Kenny, Kenny, last name optional. Isn't that what he goes by sometimes? I think so. I, oh, and, yeah. and if you don't know Kenny Kenneth? McCants yet... Oh, just, I don't know. Just How would wait. you describe Kenny, Jonathan? <laughs> what are a few words that That's my mind? answer. That was my answer. Just my laughter. Joy. Was joy. Yes, that's it. That's it. No, um, but so he's referring to them, and they've developed an illness. Uh, they believe. Not uh, COVID. Yes. It's not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they don't have the vid. Uh, believing each other to be forcibly coercing him or her into writing emails to you. So each one thinks the other one is making them write midweek. And and both of them have. We've received emails from uh, both Ms. Ashley and, yeah. uh, and Kenny. I got to wow. admit, this whole thing is incredibly confusing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, since you seem to be the responsible party, please advise and relieve me of my quandary and an earnest plea for help, William Arthur Ashley. So basically what we're going to do now is uh, we're going to we're going to go through these emails for you that right. we've received from Kenneth and Cassidy. And uh, and then maybe maybe we can come up with a way to relieve maybe, William of his quandary. Maybe we can make sense of all yeah, that's this. the goal. Yeah. So it's kind of like a true crime yeah. episode. Yeah, we're really just trying to help In a William. way. We're trying to get down to the bottom of right. what's going on. Yeah, we should narrate. I received an email last Wednesday. <laughs> yes. I feel like this is just turned into a noir film. It's like very music? black and white <laughs> right. in the I background. I wish I did. I it's don't. just light coming in through some blinds. I, I mean, I have... Just that pulse. The only thing I have bum, is, bum. is thunder. <laughs> That's all. It was a rainy Tuesday was... afternoon. I knew this email was unlike one I'd ever received before. Okay. The ticking right. of the clock was heard in the background. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of? Just a quick aside. I know we've... Have we ever talked about Frasier? I think this entire episode <laughs> is an aside. Have we ever talked yeah. about the show Frasier? Dude, yeah. I love Frasier. One of the yeah, funniest... the show that my family do, got together and watched. We should do a Frasier Listen, episode. Shades, no, my, Shades My Cinema. sister should be on... One of the funniest episodes, I'm sure you guys have seen it, is when they do, it's like a Halloween yes. story, haunted murder mansion yes. mystery oh, yeah, thing yeah, or yeah, something, yeah, yeah. Yes. and they're doing it at the radio station live. Yes. One of the funniest episodes of that show. Absolutely incredible. That's what that reminds me of. We should just recreate it. <laughs> we'll just we do kind that of are right now. <laughs> what was his, I'm having trouble, what was his tagline on the radio? We're listening. Nightmare. I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm oh, listening. I, I think for that for Cream. that thing it was Nightmare Inn. Oh yeah, like the radio hotel is <laughs> called. All right, we're going deep on Frasier. Yeah. All right, that's so, great. So, Brad, do you want to get us started? Yeah, with this uh, this email. So you from should have Cassidy. Sure, Cassidy. sure, sure. So this is allegedly, right? Allegedly from, from Cassidy Ashley. This was submitted to our website. To our website. Yes. And the email is listed, right? But I, I wouldn't say it out loud, right? Well, I wasn't going to do that. But, but I'm just going to say this: anybody can create a Gmail address, okay? Yeah, it's true. Hmm. So this is allegedly Cassidy Ashley. Okay. Kenny's holding me. Ho- oh, subject line: Kenny's suggestion. Yeah, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Kenny's holding me hostage and peer pressured me. <laughs> this just took a massively this. serious. Right. Someone turn. needs to call nine one one immediately. <laughs> oh my word. Okay, so very alarming first line. Right. Should we take this literally, metaphorically? (laughs) This is not the normal email we receive. One of my favorite podcasts. That's really nice. It is. Just put... Yeah, she's not talking about us. (laughs) One of my favorite podcasts just puts notes in every podcast with links to everything they mentioned. You could start doing that now with every album, book, etc. Also, William has a great idea for a poster... Have a nice day, and thanks for listening. Yeah, she's talking about. Yeah, I got ahead of when, myself. Well, she's talking about oh, when she's talking Kenny about when Kenny wrote in saying, "Can we get a list compiled of JM's album of the week and Bradford's book club?" And then she's writing in, basically saying, "Just put it in the notes." Wow. So, <laughs> and, I mean, that's pretty. And something about a poster. I mean, that would be the easiest solution, right? But uh, you, can I be transparent for a moment? Wow. I thought about doing this. We want nothing but vulnerability. I thought about doing this actually before. Okay, and why don't you? 
I started to get freaked out that if I put like Metallica or like today was Metallica, okay? So I I started getting freaked out like if I put that in the show notes and then somebody searches that that works for Metallica and then they <laughs> see that we played their songs without their permission per se, um, then we may get in trouble. I don't know. I think I'm just being way there, too paranoid. Well, I think I'm being paranoid. Isn't it probably I, I'd be would curious, never happen? Well, I'd be curious to hear Grant Primo's thoughts. That would probably never happen. Well, I think this is what Grant does each week, right? Right. As a lawyer, yeah. It, isn't it like only if you play? He doesn't specialize in copyright law, but I'm sure he could have something to say about it. <laughs> well, I mean, can't, can't you play a certain amount of the song? And yeah. as long as you're not like potentially, we're not. We're not we don't make any money we don't have patreon we don't we don't make any money we don't and we write our own jingles which is i think is a big part of it is they want to make sure like if you're doing a podcast you can't really use like real songs copywritten right, songs right so we do all of our own jingles so it probably really wouldn't be a problem i think i just got paranoid so maybe i will start putting it in the notes okay we'll see. try it if we end up going to we court, could try and it soon, and then, <laughs> then midweek gets shut lesson down midweek gets shut down yeah <clears throat> They lock, they lock the doors to so, the studio. I do have to tell you that, you know, from from the history of Metallica, if there was going to be one band that would sue us. Exactly. <laughs> Lars so Ulrich, maybe drummer just, Lars Ulrich, does maybe not mess not, around. Maybe just not this episode. Maybe I don't we know start. if you guys have ever heard of Napster, but he helped shut that whole thing down. Maybe we start the next episode. Him and Dr. Dre. So. Hurt, hurt my feelings back in the day as a kid. All my free music. And, yeah. and I saw the drummer of Metallica, Mr. Ulrich, sitting in front of the of Congress. <laughs> Pretty wild. So Pretty thanks. Crazy. So thanks, allegedly Cassidy, because I really hope you're not being held hostage anymore. That sounds yeah. dangerous. Um, but that is a good suggestion. Know. Yeah, that we'll consider after we consult our legal team. Okay. All right, John Mark. Do you want to read the next one? All right. So Kenny emailed us again. Popcorn, John Mark. You know, popcorn reading. Do you ever do that? What? Popcorn what is reading. You never what did that, that in class? What is that? What do you mean by no, that? I never did popcorn reading. There's I, no I way think, that I'm alone in this. I think I know what you mean. You're reading a book like heard in class, okay. and the teacher would be like, okay, we're going to do popcorn right. reading. And so I would read a paragraph right. and be like, hmm, popcorn, Jolie, or whatever. No, okay, would, no, I never did that. Y'all never did that? That's what I did I... in Peachtree City, Georgia. There's got to be somebody else. Out of the three people listening to this. <laughs> I, There's got to be someone else. I don't know. All okay. Right. <laughs> things are getting crazy down here in the corridor. People are throwing things through windows. Yeah. All right. All right. So, well, Kenny wrote, uh, hey, Shades Midweek, it's Kenny. Cassidy Ashley is currently holding me captive. Okay. And making me. So, a conflicting report. This is totally, doesn't make any sense. Holding me captive captive and making me create a poster for your email corridor section hopefully this can adorn your wall and spice up your studio space and uh for the listeners um i will post this to to the instagram but kenny made a poster how would i describe this um he took uh cut out photos of people's faces uh, himself, uh, Cassidy and William and Sage, because she is the queen of the uh, the fan club here mm-hmm. at Shades Midweek, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and uh, basically did a cute thing with like the at symbol 
you know, like an at symbol for yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what you call that? You know, you know, like the swirly little spirals from like a like I was a TV show, Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah like Twilight this Zone. Is, this looks like the Twilight Zone. Like, oh, it's the it's the email corridor, Twilight Zone type situation. Yes, but but at the center, it's got the at symbol. Right. Somebody. So it's just when I saw this, it's hilarious. And that uh, font is the most '90s font I've ever seen. I love so it. So I do appreciate that, and we're going to keep we're using it. Hang. And is it in green and black, which actually kind of reminds me of uh, the Riddler from Batman. We definitely got to <laughs> hang the poster. <laughs> kind of reminds me of yeah, Jim, Car- Jim Carrey's The Riddler. Although so. it's definitely distinct and would not violate any copyright laws. <laughs> just to be clear. <laughs> just to be clear for those who work for DC Comics. Yep. Who regularly listen to the show. So, Cassidy, if you're still currently holding Kenny captive, uh, force him to pay to get this printed. And we'll yeah, hang it up. That'd be great. So, Color's expensive. To I print mean, is there any up. way to resolve this whole thing with, like, William riding in and basically say, like, please advise or relieve me of my quandary? Like... I- what are we supposed to do here? Yeah, I, I mean, I just think we just need to say, hey, people, quit taking people captive. Just, well, you know, stop it. I think you got to <laughs> go directly to the sources. Right. Okay. Right. And we want to hear all sides. We want right? to hear all sides. So probably, I'm thinking three to four hour interview each. Right. This is kind of like a town hall type situation. This is a like difference. A, like a public... Kind uh, of like a Joe Rogan podcast. Right. This, this is the difference hours. between Brad and I. Brad's like, we got to hear all sides. We got to. I'm like, just shut it down. <laughs> just tell people to quit it, okay? <laughs> I know. Let's hear everyone's unique well, perspective. You know, yeah, like I don't want to hear anyone's perspective. Stop it. I like want to learn from the other. I don't care to learn anything. <laughs> you know, like a public forum. Yeah, totally. Um, we'll get back to everybody <laughs> on that. It's, uh, it, it's in the works. <laughs> uh, un- until such time, William, we're very I'm just gonna s- keep. <laughs> William, we're very sorry. Um, maybe uh, you can find a quiet space to spend some time alone, yeah, right, uh, away yeah. from these individuals who seem to be inflicting pain upon you. But I will say, with all the hostage situations back and forth whatever was happening there we did get a great piece of art out of it and that is this email corridor uh poster that we that will adorn the wall at some point and we got a jingle and we got a jingle now so i'm feeling really good about all this yeah feeling really great and guys we still have two emails to go (laughs) two emails and zero listeners and these these are the longest emails that we've ever received yes they they are they are that don't take that as a critique it's it's a positive affirmation yeah well i jonathan Jonathan, yeah (laughs) i was about to say jm since you think it's a positive thing why don't you i can (laughs) so the first one here is from uh mr william ashley am i reading this whole thing yeah (laughs) i don't know (laughs) yes i would say yes all right all right well here we go I don't. I mean, we can we can just go through this. If we need to stop at some point and answer okay. some questions, we can do do it that way. All right. Well, I just wrote one big question mark on the whole email, so <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, so this is from Mr. William Ashley, and it says, "Hello, friends. This is William Ashley, allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, we still don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, my purpose here is to know and be known. All right. I already have questions. He's known." <laughs> That's the thing uh, you say at Shades. 
Cassidy and I have been listening off and on to the podcast. Frankly, we love it. It is. That's good. Thank you. Uh, It's difficult to listen consistently, but we enjoy every bit we've heard. Hmm. We each thought it would be fun to contribute to the email corridor portion of the show. So here I am. Yeah, it's not even a portion. It's a whole episode today. It is. They really contributed. Uh, At first, I thought I might write about how wonderful my wife is, colon, how she won third place at the Southeastern Region's contest for the most normal person. I think is that a real thing? Third place. <laughs> I've thought Sorry. about it. I think it's sarcasm. Okay. Uh, and, and how she won another contest for third place. But never mind those accolades or how forgiving and loving she is, how she loves in spite of all the things I've done, and how she operates from a powerful baseline of grace. We're wow. here to talk narrative. Ooh. Okay. One of the things I noticed about JM's presentation of his album of the week, you're in the hot seat, JM. Here we go. Wow. Is Here's the criticism. He, is that he always contextualizes his choice with a personal narrative or experience. Hmm. This may support something I have long thought, that narrative is possibly the emergent form of epistemology, open parentheses, discussion of how we know what we know, close parentheses. I say it is emergent because while a narrative may be broken down into parts, narrative itself emerges from these parts and is greater than their sum. I say form because, in its essence, knowledge cannot be reduced to any single part or small set of parts, colon, to take form, it must be narrative. Maybe. I'm still not committed, either to that (laughs) assertion or to an asylum. (laughs) So, Jonathan, if you're going to just summarize that paragraph, <laughs> why don't you just bring out some of the key points for our listeners? I love how y'all just keep throwing this back at me. He's I mean, talk- I feel like he nailed. I I uh, have intentionally sought out to do everything that he just said <laughs> with yes. James' album of the week. He's that talking, was definitely he, on purpose. And he talk- saw beneath <laughs> it. He's talking about the fact that every time JM... Uh, puts out an album of the week he usually tells a story um so even just like right in he told stories about how much of a metallica fan he's been and this that yep. and the other mm-hmm. and even story about how this current album came to be like he's contextualizing mm-hmm. it always and so right. uh, william drunk jumps from there into a philosophical conversation about narrative uh, now why would he do that uh did he study philosophy he's a smart guy <laughs> he's he a smart guy he did study philosophy he did uh, i yeah. believe yeah yeah um and anyway, and so he just starts going into a little bit more of a technical discussion about narrative and the role it plays in epistemology. Epistemology is how do we know what we know? So in other words, if you say, I know that uh, I'm a human being, how do you know that? Well, because I, you know, how do you know what you see is real? Well, I know it through my senses. How do you know your senses are trustworthy? But all of those are epistemological questions. I know that thunder is the sound that comes from lightning. <laughs> How do you know that, Brad? <laughs> These are epistemological questions. And what he's saying is that uh, narrative, so to quote him, he says, I've long thought that narrative is possibly the emergent form of epistemology, a way in which we come to know the things that we know. Let me keep reading. He says, but what does this mean for us? I believe in God. Do you believe in God? Which one? I believe in the God of the Bible. That one. It's more meaningful to contextualize that belief with the story of Scripture 
than with non-narrative propositions. So in other words, he's talking about like, how do we come to know God? Well, we come, God's given us narrative and it's through narrative that we come to know him rather than just through this set of statements of fact Mm. about God. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like if we were to say God is three in one, so that's just a propositional statement about the Trinity, uh, without right. having read the Bible, what does that even look like without scripture, abstract weirdness, I guess, or empty philosophy? Uh, JM did something else great, too. So in other words, JM, wow. here's, right here's, here's the Thank key you, takeaway. William. The key takeaway is everything that I've read up to this point is in praise of you. That's <laughs> the know, key we takeaway. We thought it was going to be critical because <laughs> we get so much criticism uh, here. JM did something else great, too. When he startled Jonathan <laughs> with Living Colors' cult of personality, I was thrilled. For those who don't know what he's talking about, on the episode Cult of Personality, J.M. started playing the song Cult of Personality. Yep. Um, and, and it startled me. I wasn't ready for it. I knew it was coming, but... It was an accident to startle you, but it turned out to be a great moment. It did. Wow. He said, but, but no one would know what I'm talking about or why it was important that he did what he did without knowing that it was couched in a podcast discussion in response to the events of our country's recent past. So he's talking about just even even describing just that small little snippet uh, of that song, like like in order for anybody to understand. Well, I just proved his own point. Like I paused and I was <laughs> right. like, and for those of you that didn't hear it, within here, an here's what happened, you know? So yeah, exactly. so, so there you go. We're, we're, we're affirming you, William, without even meaning to. Uh, also, I would have been so disappointed had JM not at least mentioned that song. So what's my purpose? My narrative that gives the... Oh, sorry. So what's my purpose? My narrative that gives these claims meaning. This all seems kind of random and weird without that. Again, I want to know and be known. These are some of my thoughts about stuff. What are some of y'all's thoughts about narrative? <laughs> Here's Brad, one for Brad, Brad, you can't you can't squirm around this. Brad, do you think adopting or rejecting narratives plays a part in psychological and spiritual healing? If so, briefly, what part? I'm going to say what one of my professors at seminary would say. You know, I haven't given given that enough critical thought yet. So <laughs> let me get back to you. I don't. But, th- oh, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, it's interesting. What does come to mind is an article that I recently read by James K. Smith, which he's a philosopher, theologian, and he was talking about his own experience in therapy. And he, one of the things that he said that stood out to me is he said that his counselor was re-narrating his story, the story of his life to him. And that's what these sessions were doing. And he talked about the healing that came through that. And so I do think that that's one of the things that can happen within the relationship of a counselor and their client is that the client shares a narrative, a story of how they came to be in the place that they're at or a particular struggle that they're having and why they have that struggle. And I think what a counselor is able to do is to offer a different narrative that can potentially bring understanding and then also offer a solution that the individual did not see before. I think that can be true with pastoral counseling as well. But that was a, a thought that came to mind. But all of that is a re-narrating right. with what's happening. Well, I mean, I, I, think, I think that it's demonstrably provable that narrative is the way in which, or one of the ways in which we make sense 
of our lives, our situation, of everything that's around us. Uh, I mean, we are a storytelling uh, a creature. We are a storytelling being. You know, totally. We, we tell stories in order to make sense of our own lives. Like the fact that we refer to our lives as my story, our story. You yeah. know, instead of just random chaos and, and the way we formulate it and tell it is us trying to make sense of what we've been through and who we are now. Um, and yes, I mean, therapy can definitely play a role uh, in helping you to re-narrate, to see that through a different lens. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading this this question made me think uh, just about this past Sunday. Oh, yeah. Us, Psalms, uh, man. Yeah. And us going through Psalm 73. And like yeah. I, I specifically talked about um, Asaph develops this narrative of the world of what's happening around him as he looks and he sees the wicked prosper and he sees the righteous suffer. He develops a particular storyline and it's when he goes into the temple that the temple re-narrates that, right? Mm-hmm. It tells him a different story. It puts it through a different lens. And I think that this is what scripture is talking about often when it talks about renewing our mind, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the news gives you a narrative, social media gives you a narrative. Everybody gives you a narrative, but scripture does too, and we believe that scripture gives you the ultimate true narrative about God and about yourself and about the world. And so therefore it needs to be, I mean, we talked about that on Sunday, that needs to be the lens. The gospel needs to be the narrative that uh, helps us understand our our lives. So, yeah, I abso- totally. so I absolutely do think that narrative plays a very powerful role and powerful part um, in that. The, the part of the question that I don't know that I am prepared to answer is when he says, if so, briefly, what part? Um, so in other words, like I don't think I've arrived at a place where I'm saying narrative is the only thing at work here, and I don't know exactly what uh, what I how I would describe yeah, as a part is interesting. Yeah, yeah, I don't know exactly how I would answer that right now. I need to give that some more some more critical thought. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right, but there there wasn't just a question for me. There's oh, yeah. a question for John. Oh, sorry, Mark. the email's not done. For those of you who thought it was, it's not done. Yeah. Uh, so John Mark. John Mark. Do you think instrumental music can have narrative? Uh, The short answer is yes, I do. Mm. I do. I think that uh, classical music, like if you went back to classical pieces, I think classical pieces uh, have story, have a narrative, have a uh, dynamic arc to them. Um, As I was thinking about trying to answer this question in the last three minutes... uh, (laughs) Something came to mind, actually. Praise God. And it is, uh, I was reminded of Jimi Hendrix, actually. Jimi Hendrix, in 1969, uh, played a music festival called Woodstock. And at Woodstock, during his performance, he did an instrumental version of the Star-Spangled Banner Mm. um, with his guitar, and only with his guitar. There was no singing. Now, this is a little tricky because the Star Spangled Banner, obviously we know it has words. We know what those words mean. We can contextualize it in that way. Uh, it is the national anthem of the United States. So you can take that into consideration, but he did this all instrumentally. And if you listen to it, um, I, I believe that there is uh, a narrative in the way that he plays the way that he decided to play the national anthem at that time. You have to remember, we were in Vietnam. There was a lot of protesting going on. So this was like almost his form of protesting. And there's a part in the song and the bombs bursting in air. And then he starts to just 
make these insane sound. He basically stops the melody portion of the the anthem at that point, and he's making like bomb divey sounds and like tons of crazy feedback and chaos with his guitar and it is and it is to tell this story mm. and he's doing that with a guitar he's not mm. doing that with his voice he didn't write yeah. any lyrics that was a that was like protest lyrics about vietnam but he was telling a story so i 100 percent well and jam i'd be curious to hear what you think about this i was thinking about music in the context of movies and how yeah. so often the yes. music in the movie is what tells what's happening. It's yeah. not the character's face. It's not even anything in the scene itself. Yeah. Rather, it's the music that's beneath that actually reveals what's happening in the current moment and then potentially where the narrative is going. Well, uh, one of the fun things you can do to, to prove the point of how powerful and necessary the music is to the narrative in that situation is to see movies or shows or something that are one thing but have been re-edited with different music to make it completely <laughs> feel different so the one that comes to mind for me is you can find on youtube a trailer uh for the office the, yeah. the comedy tv series but it's the office as a horror film oh that's <laughs> yeah. right yeah. and all they've done is you know recut it and and put in music and it feels like you're watching a trailer for a horror film and, and you know it's just that's exactly what I was gonna say. Oh, was it not, really? the, not the Office one. I was thinking about they did one for Dumb and Dumber, the movie oh, yeah? Dumb and Dumber, where they make it like that Jim Carrey's character is psychotic, and they add all this like crazy horror music to it. So a hundred percent, it does that. And obviously with uh, with film too, or, or that uh, I guess that art form editing is such a yeah. huge part of telling the story. Well, you can even think mm. about like points and you can think about points in films that like move you to tears and often it would not have the same emotional impact if you if you remove the music. But even beyond that, like completely removing this is what I was thinking about while you, while you were talking yeah. JM, completely removing the visual aspect altogether. Like if you just hear a classical piece of music that you've never seen attached to any visual things at all. You've never seen it attached to film. You've never seen it attached to ballet, nothing. It takes you on at least, I think there's an argument that can be made for an emotional narrative mm -hmm. that it starts you and it doesn't just jump around. Like it moves you into certain emotions, usually yeah. some kind of tension mm -hmm. or sadness and brings you to some kind of resolution. And there clearly is an arc. And, and a narrative there, even though it's not what you would call maybe um, an explicit, um, I don't know, narrative. It's, it's an emotional one. Yeah, yeah. We, we tried to do that with the sleep design a lot. The sleep design was my instrumental post-rock band. And we uh, what was always fun after we recorded the music was like, okay, these instrumental songs need names. And so we would listen to the album and be like, what name is the most appropriate for this, you know, song? So there was one called When We Meet, and which is obviously like, you know, is, is pointing to like When We Meet Christ and, and Eternity. And that whole song is just a it's just a total build. It's just a total narrative dynamic build to the uh, crescendo at the end. So 100 percent. Hmm. Well, there's a final question here. It's for me. And he just says, Jonathan, is this too long? <laughs> and though I'm slightly offended that I didn't get a question with more depth, <laughs> well, I, I, will, I will respond. Yeah, I think you're going to... Yeah. I will respond. And I my, feel like you need to place it within a narrative. My, uh, my response is, no. No, William. 
It's not too long. Yeah, this was awesome. And never let anyone tell you it is. Yeah, that's good. In Christ a- Love, William Arthur Ashley. So there you go. I Thanks, think- Will. Yes, thank you, William. Seriously, you. that was great. Yeah, that was, was a lot fantastic. of fun. It was a lot of fun. And then his wife wrote in, and this is the final email. Yep, this is it. This that is we it. will read today. Do you want uh, who? Wait, I read the last one. You read the last yeah, one. I can read you want it. To take right, it. Go Brad? for it, Brad. I feel like yes. Jonathan, you're going to be able to really pipe in here on some stuff. Yeah. All right. From Cassidy Ashley. No subject. Interesting. I wonder if she's trying to communicate <laughs> something with that. Let's dive into that. What's she trying what to say mean? by what she's not saying? Yeah. Yeah. What does that mean? Okay. Okay. She just wanted us to be surprised. She didn't want to give away what was about to no happen. No subject. But then she writes, "Dear Shades Midweek." I wanted to write and let you know how much I love the podcast. There we go. She is talking about our podcast, right? Well, hey, I just want her to know that she accomplished what she wanted to do. There she you go. She said she wanted to right. write. She did. She wanted to let us know how much she loved the podcast. You have. All right. We thanks, Cassidy. It. That's all we got for today. <laughs> this has been another. Oh. There's more. Firstly, we don't listen to every episode, but. Every episode we've listened to is 10 out of 10 would recommend. That's high, that's high praise. Haven't seen that review on Apple, iTunes. On podcast yeah. or iTunes, but... Yeah. Oh, we do have um, a few, though. We need to read those at some point. We do. Yeah, that's fun. You just share those. I've thought <laughs> a lot about what to write in case you read this on air. Oh, we're, we're going to read it. Don't worry about it. It's a lot of responsibility. It really is a lot of responsibility. I have some thoughts, though, and I would like to submit them to your attention. All right. Duly noted. Both both of the Ashleys have a formal bent when they write. They, Firstly, yeah. I am now in the Andy Squires fan club. As you should be. Yeah. Welcome. Wow. Come on in. James Water's fine. James album of the week. Really. Tearing it up. Really doing some things. How does that make you feel, John Mark? I feel on top of the world. It's right a lot now. of responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> It we is. were just talking about your life being meaningless, and then you get emails like this, and gosh, gosh. I know. Okay, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I don't know where that came from. That was kind of dark. I'm sorry. Firstly, I'm now in the Andy Squires fan club. Thank you guys for introducing us to him because Poet Priest has been on repeat since y'all referenced it in the episode on political idolatry. I think. Although I did write his name down when Brad referenced him in his sermon well, there on you go, Lament. Brad. There you go, Brad. Okay. It's not all about me. <laughs> I forget that. Please do not... Please... Excuse me. Please do an episode breaking down the lyrics because I have so many questions and only William to talk to right now. <laughs> I don't think that was necessarily a negative thing. She just stated that. Right. For instance, the entirety of Trouble Gonna Come, especially the line, and if God is dead, what is that to me? What does that mean? So maybe we could stop there. And JM, you might be able to play a little clip yeah. of Love Never Fails, which would not be a copyright no, tr- infringement. Trouble Gonna Come. Excuse me. She said Trouble, trouble gonna, gonna Come. I misread. Um, yeah. Where in the song is that? Uh, that line is uh, in the course. So he has kind of like two verses here at the beginning. We're very professional here. Very, very. All right, let me fast forward just a little bit more. And if God is dead, what is that to me? 
That choir, man. Trampling out the wrath, our wrath. On his flesh and blood. A vintage pouring out. Swallowing us. So that's a portion of the chorus there. Yeah. Well, um, I, th- I think first we say, Cassidy, one, um, we do hope to do uh, an entire episode dedicated to to Andy Squire's album because we are so in love we're with in, it. We're into it. Um, but yeah. I think we all care about it so much, we're not quite ready to do it yet. Right, um, right. we, we got to give that one some time. Yeah, we want to make like. sure we get it right when we do it. But we will talk about this song and the one the other one that you mentioned. Not a full breakdown, but at least the, the parts that you mentioned. And uh, the, the other thing I was going to say really quick before we talk about that lyric is just one of the beauties, and JM, you can speak to this more than I can, but one, one of the beauties of just songs and loving music and such is often, not always, but often lyrics are have a certain intentional vagueness to them in order to allow uh, the listener to make them their own. Mm. Um, so, so in other words, yes, often the songwriter, or I shouldn't say often, probably always the songwriter has what they mean by what they're saying, but they don't necessarily want like to restrict you to just that. Now there are some songs that like tell a really explicit story or or whatever. And, you know, I mean, there's no interpretation left there. One example that comes to mind is childish gambinos this is america and the reason that popped into my head is because he was doing an interview on late night tv i think and they asked him about the meaning and he wouldn't give an answer right (laughs) yeah yeah because he wanted people to think through it and have a discussion about it well and allow to give an answer and then have people move on yeah the question kind of becomes more well what do the lyrics mean on your lips Mm -hmm. like when you sing this like what's resonating with it with with you about this. Now it, it does shift a little bit when you get into more explicit songs like worship music, that's meant to be really explicit yep. to teach you explicit Hymns truths and, and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But Squire's album is not, I don't, I don't think it's primarily meant to be like a, a worship album. It is a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. I do think there's some things we can say about this song uh, in particular. Um, and I, so, so I said all of that basically to say when I give my answer, it's my answer. I don't know that I can answer authoritatively for Andy Squires, I guess mm. is what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't know that I know what he means, but on my lips, here's what I think is going on okay. in the song. Um, Jam, do you want to add to any of that? As no, far go as on. Okay. Please go on. All right. So a lot of this album um, it feels like lament. Uh, mm-hmm. A lot of it, and, and we've talked about lament a fair amount while we've been in the Psalms. Yep. Um, but so this song uh, just starts out, trouble going to come like a heart attack, like a locust swarm, turn the sun to black. Like He's basically talking about the inevitability of suffering. Mm-hmm. Trouble's going to come. Like it's coming. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are, like, like a heart attack. Um, I mean, that, that one ends like trouble going to come to us, I'm sure. Trouble going to come drowning me like waves. So so he's kind of lamenting uh, the suffering, the inevitable suffering that's going to come into all of our lives. And then that inevitable suffering is colliding with his faith, and he's wrestling with what difference 
does my faith make in the midst of suffering? So when you get to the course, uh, gallows on a hill. So this is a reference to the crucifixion. Mm-hmm. God damned on a tree. And if God is dead, what is that to me? Like, I think it's wrestling with the tension of like, what difference does the crucifixion of Jesus make for the fact when I uh, have, am diagnosed with cancer? What, what difference does, like, if God died on, great, 2,000 years, what the heck does that mean, like, with, uh, you know, my financial loss that I've had right now, with the death of a child, with whatever, like, I think he's wrestling with that tension. The second half of the course, trampling out our wrath on his flesh and blood, a vintage pouring out, swallowing us. So what I think is going on right there. Um, is one in just reference to the historical crucifixion, like you see our wrath, the wrath of humanity being poured out on God, if you will. That's one way to look at the crucifixion, the, uh, the people demanding Jesus's death, all that, Mm -hmm. like it's, we're pouring our wrath out. We're putting him to death. Uh, You know, uh, we're, so wrath in scripture is often pictured as a vintage being poured out. So a vintage pouring out. And when he says swallowing us, consuming us. In other words, the idea that like at the cross, as we see the wrath of evil, wicked people being poured out on the son of God, we see their own evil consuming them. Mm -hmm. And I think the, I think the tension he's wrestling with right there is the same thing happens to us when we encounter suffering in our life, that suffering butts up against our faith and we begin to go, what the heck even good is our faith that Jesus died? But like we start feeling wrath towards God. We start pouring out our vintage towards God of like, where the heck are you? What are you doing? Blah, blah. And our own anger and our own bitterness begins to swallow us. Mm-hmm. Um, like I think that's what he's wrestling with throughout this, this song is just that tension of trouble and suffering in your life as a person of faith. And what I would say is unique about this song as compared to some of the other ones on the album is this song doesn't offer resolution. Yeah. This song just sits in the difficulty Mm -hmm. of that. And there, there's at least one song. God, which one is it? It may be Psalm 88. I can't remember off the top of my head. There's at least one Psalm of lament that does the same thing. Yeah. It never reaches a point of resolution. Mm -hmm. It just sits in the lament. And I think, that um, that as an individual song, I think that's meant to to point out just the uh, the weight and the gravity of this difficulty, yeah, and not just moving straight to an answer, right? But I do think just like Psalm, if it's eighty eight, whatever it is, I need to look. Just like that one Psalm that does the same thing has got to also be viewed in the context of the whole Psalter. I do think 100%. this one song has to be seen in the context of Squire's whole album. Right. So, so he's not. It's not a cynical, yeah, nihilistic kind yes. of note. Yes, because there are clear places throughout the album where he does move into the hope that we have, even amidst the pain and the difficulty. The but, next song, yeah, you the very, bring the morning. Yes. That is a worship song. Yes, yeah, and it kind of lifts up yeah. from the the vibe of this 100%. song. Hundred yeah. percent. So that's that's the Jonathan Hayes take on trouble going to come. No, I think that's really helpful. Okay, well, we've got more. I think we should just keep going. Yeah, keep rocking and rolling, because I actually have to leave for a coffee here in just (laughs) a second. (laughs) So, 
Also, also, Love Never Fails is what she's getting yes, to. Yes, yes, yes. Yep, the song Love Never Fails. Uh, yeah, also, no, Love Never Fails, specifically... Punchline of the joke. Love Never... Love Never Fails. What even is that? Three question marks. <laughs> to be clear, I'm in awe of this man's ability to write poetry. All of his lyrics are so evocative and vivid. She gives some more lyrics right here. Yeah, I don't know if you want me to read those. Or sure, stop you're with. an Appalachian preacher who I cannot withstand. Of the joke. Yeah, there's that one. So this is "Love Never Fails." You want to? Which which follows? So that's after the line, "Our dreams up in smoke beneath plunging nail." Yeah. Line of the joke, "Love Never Fails." Yeah. So do we want to talk about that really quick? Yeah. Yeah, she yeah. she was wondering about that. What is even that? Yeah. So, do you want me to give my take again? Yeah, man, you're on a roll. I'm it, totally dude. willing to give the Go mic to anybody else. Um, th- so this is one of my favorite songs on the album for sure. It's it's hard to to choose. Um, but uh, again, uh, he deals with a lot of tensions uh, in our faith. Uh, throughout this song, some of us sinners, some of us saints, some of us between a rock and a hard place, some of yep. us welcome, some of us not. I mean, he's just naming all of these different tensions that we feel. Um, but when he gets uh, to, he, he kind of gets to these places at the end of each verse that it feels like uh, we should just give up in the midst of these tensions. Um, but then he always follows it with, but we can't because we know this to be true. Love never fails. The love of God never fails. Mm-hmm. So like the first verse ends with, so when the abyss had us tied to the rails, that's like a hopeless situation. And he says, like a runaway train, love never fails. Or when you get to uh, the end of the second verse, parents forewarning, uh, language coming. <laughs> um, he says, uh, he says, when the albatross curse all the wind from our sails, when we have no dams to give, love never fails. So like when we get to the end of our rope and we're like, I, I have no dams left. <laughs> like right. I've got nothing, nothing left to, to give. give. Yep. Um, it's at that moment. That love never fails. It's at the moment, the breaking point when we that that we discover love never fails. Um, and what he says in the in the course that really emphasizes that is he says the trouble in trusting a savior not seen mm. is you find out he don't fail when he don't intervene. Yep. You find out he don't fail when he don't intervene. So what he's saying is like it's precisely when. Uh, God doesn't intervene, and we go through those moments that remove everything we've ever trusted and everything we've ever held held on to. It's in that moment that we find out he really is enough in and of himself, by himself, because he's all we got left, and he proves himself to be enough. So mm-hmm. it's, it's the same thing that the classic song says, um, the classic hymn, uh, when all around my soul gives way, he then is all my hope and stay. Like you find out that, Christ is a solid rock when everything else proves itself to be sinking sand. Mm-hmm. And so he's saying the same things. And and what I love, the line she specifically mentions is the last line of the final verse. Um, and it says this, it says, our dreams up in smoke beneath plunging nails, punchline of the joke, love never fails. And so what I love is he ties all of this ultimately to the death and the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. What he's saying is at, at the crucifixion of Jesus, it looked like all hope was lost. Our dreams up in smoke beneath yep. plunging nails. Yep. No hope left. 
God is dead. Yep. But wait, there's a punchline to this joke. And the punchline is that love never fails. He rises from the dead. Mm. Um, and I just, I, I, I love that. So to me, yeah, this, really great this is one of those songs that I do think so wrestles with so a good. lot of tensions, but is constantly filled with hope. I mean, I, I think the yeah. entire message of the song is it's precisely in the places of crucifixion where God proves himself to be a God of resurrection. Mm. Yeah. Well, and James, if you could play that clip once again, even the way the song opens up is a little disorienting. Yeah. What is, is that? What is that a guitar? Is that? Yeah. What is he playing? Yeah. There's a lot of weird little things going on. Like for me, I don't know how y'all, it sounds to y'all. To me, it's a little disorienting. Yeah. yeah there's some guitar. A there's tension. a little bit of bass happening. Um, it's also in 6-8. Um, and then some of us doubtful. That's kind of some the beginning of, of that that verse. That we can't deny. Dude, he, so just, what, he has a voice built for lament. I know. I know. <laughs> There's a righteousness. Well, and what I love about it is when you think of a song Love Never Fails, normally you think about a praise song of like the love of the love. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's like a right. triumphant. It's very triumphant, like happy. Um, vibe to it, it and I think what stood out to me personally was all these things that are so horrible he lists and then comes I, back with love oh, never fails that, that part that part right there what I love most of all is it can you rewind it I yeah, don't know he if pauses you he pauses he pauses our dream up in smoke beneath plunging nails and it's almost like he gives us silent Saturday there's a de- yeah, yeah there's delay. a delay before you get the resurrection Mm-hmm. So, I, yeah, just got to do it one more time. If we have him on the show, he's going to be like, I just thought it was a good time to just have a musical break there. <laughs> there it is. I guarantee you. <laughs> that's what he's going to say. He's going like, to be like, no, oh. man, I'm reading into he's gonna it. He's going to be like, <laughs> it's like when we get to heaven and talk to Paul. And we're like, all right, Paul, when you're writing this letter, you were meaning to do this, right? No, I wasn't. I wasn't doing that at all. Oh, well, no, like I, all my commentary said that you did. Yeah, I wasn't doing that. Yeah. Uh, she goes on to write, um, how dare he be this talented? I want to study his lyrics in a class. I agree. How dare he? <laughs> I would sign up for that if you want to start it. But honestly, I'm drawn to how honest he is about struggle and how God's love doesn't always fix things, totally. but sometimes sits with us in it and asks us to be patient even if we don't understand. Well said. I agree. Well said. And then secondly, she says... <laughs> I would also like to concur with everything Kenny said in his email. I haven't read it or anything, but I feel like he's got good ideas. <laughs> I do not concur with everything William said because I have read his email. No comment. <laughs> we're writing to you at wait, we're writing to you at the same at time. At the same time, little typo there. At the same time, but we had mm. different things to say. Wow. We've Love done it. it. And an entire gosh. episode in the email corridor. I, I do have to say, if we can if we continue to be inundated with this amount of emails, we might have to start choosing which emails we're going we to have to do an episode we every time. Ha- which we may have we to don't. start choosing, and maybe we'll just respond to them individually, individually in an email format. I don't know, but I had a lot of fun today going through all these and 
Look at know? that. Look at what happened. We dedicated an entire episode to emails. I, I feel Look. I feel all official with all our papers. Yeah. I'm just I just love our members here at Shades Valley. Yeah, just we do have thoughtful, great. fun. A lot of fun, man. People that love Jesus. That was a lot of fun. Like they made it this whole thing. That yeah. they were all going to write in at the same time. Kenny made the poster. So good. So thankful for you guys. We'll have to bring y'all all in at some point. Kenny, you probably should add Grant to the email corridor poster if yeah. he wants to be added to for it. Sure. That is. He does yeah. write in a few times. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, I, Tanisha, I think, Tanisha, think Tanisha has, been, has been a frequent writer. Feel left out. Yeah. 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 yeah Tanisha, too. Yeah. Yeah. And if you would like your face to be on the email <laughs> corridor poster. Now we're promising things. Email us. Yes. And, hey, if you have an email, we're always welcome to receive emails here at Shades Midweek. Yeah. So midweek at shadesvalley.org. We want to hear it. We will maybe address it live. <laughs> we may or may not. Yeah, but read it. we always will appreciate it. Sometimes addressed, always appreciated. The email corridor. <laughs> That's right. Let us know how you like the new jingle. Well, JM, how's your day at school? <laughs> this has it's been really episode. Good. Yeah, this has been. Billy picked seven. on me today. Jonathan's late for his appointment. I give up trying go. to close it. He's got to go. This has been episode seventy-one of Shay's Midweek. We'll see you next time.